Hello, everyone. On today's broadcast uh, on Murthy.com, we're going to be discussing adjustment of status and the no-fault exception to the maintenance of status requirement. My name is Jonelle O'Clue. I'm an attorney here at the Murthy Law Firm. I'm an attorney in the green card department. Today, I have with me Adam Rosen, who is an attorney in the special projects department. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Thank you. Uh, so recently, I hear, uh, Adam, in the, in the uh, Special Projects Department, you had a wonderful success. So I understand that Murthy Law Firm helped an individual become a permanent resident who had actually gotten a request for evidence, an RFE, that was proposing to deny his I-485 application. Um, I understand that it was allegedly for him being out of status for more than 180 days. Let's talk a little bit about that, basically these eligibility requirements for adjustment of status. Well, generally speaking, when you want to get your green card, okay. so and this is through an employment-based green card we're mm -hmm. talking about today, you have to have an I-140 petition, and okay. either if it's pending or if it's approved, you want to be able to file your I-485, your mm -hmm. application to adjust status to permanent resident status. Okay. Now, you first have to be admitted or paroled into the United States. You have to be maintaining your non-immigrant status, and mm -hmm. that might be your H-1B, might be your F okay. if you're a student, it might be an L, or your dependents All in right. H-4 or L-2 status. And you have to have a current priority date to file your I-485. And also, it has to be current when USCIS is ready to approve it. Okay, sure. So, Adam, one of the requirements that you mentioned was about maintaining non-immigrant status. So let's just take a moment to talk about that. So um, you need to be in status at the time that you try to adjust your status. Yes. So... What happens if someone really hasn't been maintaining their status or, you know, maybe they have a little bit of time there where they fell out of status? Well, that's a very good question, Janelle, because I think a lot of people run into mm -hmm. that situation for many different reasons. But generally speaking, for an employment-based green card, there's a exception that covers many people in that situation mm -hmm. that's commonly referred to as 245K based okay. on the place in the immigration law you find this exception. Okay. Now, it only applies to employment-based green cards, and it says essentially that if since your last admission to the United States before, right before filing your I-485, okay. you haven't violated your status, worked without authorization for more than 180 days, mm -hmm then you're still eligible to get that permanent resident status. Okay, okay. So basically, you need to maintain your status, but even if you haven't maintained it, you know, every single day, as long as it's a employment-based case, right. and uh, the failure to maintain the status has been less than 180 days since your last admission, you're okay, according right. to 245K. Exactly. Okay. So now, what about the people where it's actually been more than 180 days? What happens to them? Well, there is, in fact, an exception to the exception. Okay. Tell me about that. So that says that if you fail to maintain your status, but it's through no fault of your own, then in that case, you are still eligible for that adjustment of status. You can still get that green card. 
Wow, wow. Okay, so through no fault of your own. I think we had a Murthy Law Firm client who was faced with this type of situation. Can you tell me more about that? Exactly. The Special Projects Department was able to help this individual out. He had this request for evidence, mm -hmm. and the Murthy Law Firm was able to present a very strong case to mm -hmm. the Immigration Service explaining why he was eligible. Okay. Now, the problem in this case mm -hmm. was that USCIS gave as their reason for proposing to deny his case was that they saw he had been living in particular locations that he listed on his G325A, that okay. his biographic information form he filed with his I-485, mm -hmm. and USCIS said that those locations didn't match up with the locations on the labor condition applications and his H-1B petitions. Okay, okay. So now the so the problem in this case was how to resolve the conflict between the two the All fact right. that the LCA said one location and his biographic form said another location mm -hmm. now the subject of when you need a new labor condition application when you don't need a new mm -hmm. labor condition application that's a discussion for another day that could go on for hours and yeah, hours Yeah that's that's pretty complex I know but USCIS said that they would deny the I-485 application because of this period from the last time he entered the United States before his 485 application was filed to the date his EAD card was first valid from was more than 180 days. And that because of this conflict between the locations mm -hmm. on the LCA and the, his biographic form okay. and the period of time, he wasn't eligible. Okay, so now hold on. You mentioned the EAD card, so that's yes. the employment authorization document. Why is that important? Because the employment authorization document, the the EAD card, was issued based on his I-485 application, okay. and it doesn't have the same geographic restrictions that the H-1B does mm -hmm. because of the LCA. Okay, 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 I get you. So now, how did Murthy Law Firm help this client to become a permanent resident? How did we help him get his I-485 approved? Well, we looked at the no-fault exception and the way USCIS interprets it and defines it, and it can be very restrictive, and it okay. has a whole series of requirements and steps that you have to go through to show someone's eligible for it. Mm -hmm. And we explained to USCIS that this individual is not allowed to file the H-1B petition. Okay. He's not allowed to file the LCA. Mm -hmm. All of those things have to be filed by the employer mm -hmm. and that he doesn't even get any of the information or documents issued by USCIS or by Department of Labor okay. unless the employer gives it to him. Okay. Now, the interesting thing in this case also was the fact that his employer had given him the LCA mm -hmm. and given him H-1B documents to go to the consulate and apply for the H-1B visa. Okay. Now, when he went to the consulate, he told the consular officer where he was going to be working in the United States. The consular officer had the paperwork, so he saw what the paperwork actually said, mm -hmm. two different locations, and yet the consular officer still issued him the visa. Right, right, and I definitely see what you mean. I mean, this is obviously no fault of his own because it was the employer who filed the H-1B and the labor conditions application. So if there was anything there, it, it certainly wasn't his fault, right? Right, and what helped in this case, we believe, and was made this, we think, a lot easier was mm -hmm. the fact that he had even presented all of this to a government official, right. and the government official gave him the visa and he came back in, so he had no reason to think he was doing anything wrong. Right. I see. I see what you mean. Um, so has uh, Murthy Law Firm been, uh, 
has Murthy Law Firm seen this issue raised by the USCIS in other cases? We have seen this in mm -hmm. a few other cases, some cases that Murthy Law Firm has filed, some cases that other lawyers have mm -hmm. filed, and then the individuals have come to Murthy Law Firm to consult with us. And so we have not seen this in every single case, and there are quite a lot of I-45 applications mm -hmm. out there, especially since the summer of 2007. Right. And when we've had this issue come up, we've addressed it as aggressively as we can to okay. show either why the person was maintaining status or explaining why that should not be considered this person's own fault. Mm -hmm. But one of the most important things that we see here is the importance of consulting with an experienced immigration lawyer and the importance of acting as quickly as possible because mm -hmm. of the limited amount of time that you get when USCIS issues a request for evidence on right. your 485. Right, exactly. Well, great. Thank you so much, Adam. I, I really enjoyed help, uh, hearing about this case, and I think that it's, it's going to be a help to some people out there that if they have similar situations or even if they just run into cases where the USCIS issues an RFE, they know that there are people out there who can at least talk to them and advise them about their cases. And that's what we're here for. We consult with people who are our existing clients that we filed I-485 applications for, and then other individuals who are looking for a first opinion or a second opinion will come to Murthy Law Firm. And whether it's attorneys in the green card department or the special projects department or elsewhere in the Murthy Law Firm, we do everything that we can to assist people become permanent residents and get through what is a very difficult process. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining us today.